Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Monday, July 18th, 2016. Today, um, I haven't dropped a podcast in a couple of days. I wanted to drop a uh, a fantasy football podcast. So I recorded an awful lot of uh, material for my radio show uh, last week, and I wanted to release it as one of my podcasts. I think it's gold. Um, I'm going to be doing an entire series on all of my... Uh, fantasy football thoughts and predictions for this coming fantasy football season. I've been doing it on my radio show. However, um, I want to also feature it on the podcast as well. I just haven't dropped a podcast in, in about a week. It's been a while, and uh, I thought this would be really appropriate. So I did about 40 minutes on uh, pretty much the running backs for this coming fantasy football season. I'm going to lay that down in today's podcast. I think it should be pretty juicy. Uh, everyone should really, uh, hopefully... Um, Hopefully you enjoy it. You enjoy what I got going on with uh, this uh, juicy little podcast. Um, but, you know, going to jump right into it, talk all about the running backs. You'll hear me make references to my radio show. Just, you know, ignore that stuff. It should all be podcast juicy, juicy, juicy. Um, but I jump right into uh, fantasy football uh, running backs and what I think. Um, here, listen to it. Enjoy. And uh, I'm going to be coming out um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, breaking down wide receivers, quarterbacks, the whole nine. Uh, but um, without any further ado, enjoy me breaking down the fantasy football running backs for the coming 2016 season. Okay, now we're going to sit down, and normally I would say let's hop into the Eagles Nest, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, but today um, I, I'm going to go full-on fantasy football breakdown. So I don't know if any if everyone out there is a fantasy football fan, but I got news for you. Sam Rosenberg here on Sam Sports Show is a gigantic fantasy football fan. I mean, I'm a monster, monster, huge, obsessed fantasy football fan. I've been playing for over 10 years now. I have a lot of thoughts on fantasy football. I don't win every single year, but every year I'm pretty darn competitive. Uh, I've definitely got some um, strategies, some approaches, um, some thoughts about the league currently. Uh, This is definitely something that I would say I have a bit of a passion for. Um, So, on today's Sam Sports Show, I kind of thought it would be appropriate um, to talk a little fantasy football. Um, You know, we're getting closer to the football season. It's still July. Uh, You know, there's still a good six, seven weeks before football season begins. Um, But I've definitely got a few ideas regarding uh, the rankings that are coming out. So, I'm a bit of a company man here on ESPN. I'm just going to go to ESPN's rankings. I'm sure you can go to many different sites. Um, A lot of them are going to, you know, probably vary slightly differently. But, uh, you know, uh, this is something uh, I'm just going to go with ESPN's rankings. They're probably just about as good as anyone else's. Um, And just I'm just going to rip them apart. I'm just going to start pulling. I'm just going to go down the list, going to give you my thoughts on who I think is good and who I think is not worth touching. Um... Yeah, so uh, I figure a good place uh, to start with our little fantasy football extravaganza rankings on Sam Sports Show. Let's talk about the running backs. Now, before I go into the list of running backs this year, um, I want to talk a little bit about the position, how it fits into fantasy football, and where I think it's going. Um, So for many, many years, um, this year is probably not very different, but I do think that it is changing slightly, uh, and you know, this year is probably... I don't think it's the beginning of this, but the running back position in football has shifted. Um, And for fantasy football um, 
you know, uh, from a fantasy football perspective, the running back was always the position which was the first off the board. So, you know, you always had your Adrian Petersons, your Ladanian Tomlinses on the cover of every single fantasy football strategy magazine. Um, these guys, usually your first round is littered with big name running backs coming off the board. And then, you know, you've got your occasional quarterback or your Rob Gronkowski tight end coming off in the first round. Maybe your your big name wide receiver, maybe Megatron would come off in the first round. Um, but for all intents and purposes, typically the first round was a big laundry list of running backs. Um, the running back position in football has changed. Uh, you're seeing many, much less three-down workhorse backs and much more running back by committee, uh, multiple guys shouldering the burden. Uh, as soon as someone gets injured, somebody else is able to just step right in and take over and continue where the last guy let, left off. Uh, and you And this trickles down to fantasy because it's a little harder to kind of find a reliable running back who's going to be a solid pickup who will be a solid play for your entire season. Um, of course, the nature of fantasy football, guys get hurt at any given time, uh, at any point during the season, so you really need to kind of be prepared to have a replacement guy to sort of insert or pick up off the waiver wire if one of your guys gets hurt, um, which is, you know, that, that comes with the territory with playing fantasy football. But with the running back position, you know, I truly think the days of sort of picking up an Adrian Peterson or a Ladanian Tomlinson and knowing that they're going to just be a scoring machine from a fantasy perspective, you know, I think those days are gone. Um, and they're, you know, I thought the last couple of seasons, you know, we were getting away from that. And more and more this season, we're certainly getting away from that because I'm reading articles left and right talking about, you know, should we be taking Antonio Brown, wide receiver, number one overall? Should we be taking Cam Newton, quarterback, number one overall? And, you know, this is definitely a far cry from when LaDainian Tomlinson was the undisputed number one pick, whether you got him or not. I mean, I remember one year I had the number one pick in the draft, and I took Larry Johnson, and the next guy took uh, LaDainian Tomlinson. For those of you who don't remember, Larry um uh, Larry Johnson, not Grandma Moff, who played for the New York Knicks, but Larry Johnson, the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, was a stud as a running back for a season or two, and then, you know, he disappeared. But my point is that these running backs were just supremely highly touted all the time, and uh, I don't think that's where we are anymore. Is it, but, you know, that th those are just my thoughts on sort of, a, a, you know, where the running back situation is, because... You know, the last couple of seasons, I've been much more focused on picking up a quarterback and a couple of solid wide receivers in the first three rounds of the draft. Uh, and I typically do a snake draft. I also typically play in a PPR format. For those of you who don't know, PPR is point per reception. Uh, standard scoring in fantasy football does not give you a point for each reception, but uh, I like to play PPR. It's becoming progressively popular. Um and uh, in that regard, certain running backs in a PPR league have much more value than other running backs. Like, um, you know, Danny Woodhead, who's pretty low on running back lists. He's not an amazing running back, but he gets a lot of catches out of the backfield, which means he gets a lot of receptions, which means in a PPR format, he's a valuable commodity. Uh, you know, whereas Alfred Morris or Adrian Peterson are both guys who really don't get any catches out of the backfield, and they get you know most of their fantasy points on the ground simply just running yards and getting touchdowns. Um, 
And uh, so uh, just a few thoughts on, you know, where I'm coming from with my picks. But enough of that. Let's talk about some of these guys. Let's go. Let's run down the list. I'm looking at the list right now. Number one overall ranked running back is Adrian Peterson. So I got to give I got to give credit to Adrian Peterson for being so relevant for so long. I mean, this is a guy who really I mean, I thought the wheels were going to come off the wagon at some point. One of the things you find with playing fantasy football long enough is that you know, unless these guys have a devastating injury, they usually just keep playing well, keep playing well, keep playing well, and then one season they just completely fall off the map, can't perform nearly as well as they used to, and all of a sudden they've become, you know, a, a fantasy, you know, ghost. Um, I thought that was going to happen to Adrian Peterson after he destroyed his knee, but Adrian Peterson is truly somebody who is a freak of nature. This guy has stood the test of time. This guy has made himself viable on the field, you know, whenever he's out there. He's a surefire win. Uh, I feel good about picking him. I do, even with his um, advanced age and his injury, his, uh, injury history with his knee, um, he's still a valuable pickup. I still think he's probably the number one ranked uh, running back out there. If I had the number one pick, I would probably go take him, although I'm probably leaning towards maybe going and getting a, a wide receiver. I think Antonio Brown is that good of a wide receiver, and especially when you're talking about a PPR format, Antonio Brown is, is an amazing steal. Um, but the only thing to sort of um, think negative when it comes to Adrian Peterson is this idea that, you know, as I said before, he doesn't get catches out of the backfield. He's not a guy who's going to be a PPR monster. He really just runs for hundreds of yards and scores rushing touchdowns, which is kind of what you want from your running back. I mean, he still is the ideal pickup from a running back perspective. I don't have any argument with him being the number one ranked running back. Um, I, he's a safe bet. Go get him if you have the opportunity. Next on the list is Le'Veon Bell. Now, Le'Veon Bell has been amazing whenever he's been on the field, uh, running back for Pittsburgh. However, I have seen now at least three seasons end with Le'Veon Bell having some type of atrocious injury end his season. Um, I think it was one year where he was trying to rush. I think it might have been his rookie year. He was rushing into the end zone. And he got a concussion so bad, I thought the defender was going to tear his head off. I'm amazed that he was able to get up and walk away after that. And then to see him come back the next season and play again, and uh, I don't think he finished that season with a terrible, terrible injury, but it was ugly and it got him to stop. Uh, it prevented him from playing in the Pittsburgh Steelers playoff game that year. And then, of course, last year... He served a two-game suspension at the beginning of the season. He comes in. He plays amazing football. He's fantastic from a PPR standpoint. He's fantastic from a running back standpoint. But then he completely destroys his knee, and we miss him for the rest of the season. I'm a little skeptical because of the injuries. This is something that, you know, I think we like to tout that they're going to come back and bounce back and be great after this injury. I don't really know. I'm a little skeptical because of the injury history with him. Um, I'm not thoroughly sold on his ability to be 100% as soon as he comes back. Uh, and D'Angelo Williams stepped in as the backup running back for the Steelers last year, and D'Angelo Williams did a heck of a job. I mean, whenever he was playing and he had the you know the bulk of the carries and Le'Veon Bell wasn't playing, D'Angelo Williams did a great job. And I think that you know as long as Le'Veon Bell's healthy, they're not going to split the carries too much with D'Angelo Williams. But at the same time, if he's not performing 100%, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to hesitate to give the rock to uh, to D'Angelo Williams and let him sort of do what he needs to do. Um, Le'Veon Bell's a great pickup. 
I'm probably going to try to stay away from him a little bit this year. I just, you know, listen, there's only so many fantasy football teams you can have. Um, I tend to have five or six, maybe even seven or eight. I'm a little, I'm crazy like that. I love me some fantasy football, as I've already stated. Um, I don't know if I'm going to have Le'Veon Bell on any of those teams. You know, there's just, when it comes right down to it, there's a gut feeling. I think Pittsburgh likes to run the ball. I think the scenario, the coaching, the offense, it's all very beneficial for Le'Veon Bell. I'm just skeptical of the injury history, and I'm telling everybody out there to be wary as well. Um, Number three on the list is Todd Gurley. Now, Todd Gurley was absolutely a phenomenon as soon as he came on last season. So there's no real dispute that he's got the youth, he's got the ability, he's got the talent. Um, The thing that gives me pause is that even though he exploded on the scene when he really came out last season, you know, and this was something where he was recovering from an ACL injury that he suffered in college, and so it took him some time to actually get on the field last season. The first couple of weeks, he wasn't playing. Um, But the thing that kind of is, is... even though he had this amazing run, and not just a single run, but like multiple games where he was really turning heads, doing amazing things on the field, um, the thing that sort of stood out was that then he had a couple of games where he disappeared. And I'm starting to sit here and I'm thinking like maybe that offense is what's holding him up because the Rams offense, you know, they had Nick Foles, they had Case Keenum, they had a musical chairs at quarterback. Um, their offensive line is not anything really exciting. Um, and they don't really have wide receivers. I mean, the most exciting skill position player they have is running back Todd Gurley. So I feel like sooner or later defenses started to key in on Gurley and they really started to put clamps down on him. Um, and I have a suspicion, you know, that might cut into his production this season and you can't negate the sophomore slump. It's not something that happens to every single player, but it's also not an accident that after a season's worth of tape, defenses have a sense of what they're getting when there's a player that comes out and faces them again. So, you know, listen, you know, Doug Martin had a sophomore slump. He, he It took him a couple of years, but he finally bounced back. I'm not saying Todd Gurley's not a sure thing, um, but I'm not saying he's a sure thing either. You know, I'm, I'm kind of being like, listen, you know, he could be amazing. He could also hurt you. Uh, and I'm just thinking of the sense of the team that you're working with here. You know, this is a, the same Rams team that was wallowing in, like, Steven Jackson purgatory for a very long time. Steven Jackson was fantastic, but it never equated to wins. Um, I think Todd Gurley's going to get his. I still think he's a solid pickup. I, I, I'm fine leaving him at number three on this list. Number four is Ezekiel Elliott, the rookie running back taken by the Dallas Cowboys, who's amazing and is going to run behind an amazing offensive line. This is, this is a solid pickup, but... Anytime you're drafting a rookie, there's always this feeling of you don't know what you're getting. You know, he could be he could be great, but 3 weeks into the season, you might find out that he's not as great as he as he was in the preseason or not as great as he was in college or, you know, he can't fit in that well and all of a sudden somebody else on the team is getting his job. The only reason I I I preach caution when it comes to drafting Elliot is because if you draft him with a super high draft pick, if you take him with your first overall pick, wherever you're taking in the draft, be it, you know, pick seven or 12 or something like that, um, 
and he doesn't pan out, all of a sudden you've just kind of blown your number one pick in the draft on a commodity that you really don't know what you're getting into with. Um, so I think Ezekiel Elliott is an exciting pick. I think someone is certainly going to take the chance on him. I don't know if it's going to be me. If I'm in that scenario, I'm probably going to go and take a little bit more of a known commodity. There's a few more guys on this list who just have a little bit more, you know, I've seen them on the field. And there's a difference between playing in college and playing in the pros. There's just, there's a learning curve. There's a speed. There's, you know, these guys get hit harder. You just, you got to take that into consideration when you're drafting somebody that high. And um, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm probably going to shy away. I'm, I'm just going to take somebody who, I'm a, who I have a little bit more evidence to speak of. I can look at them and say, I've seen them play more on the field. I have more confidence in what they can do. I'm going to go with that guy. Um, which brings me to the next guy on the list. The number five guy on this ESPN list is David Johnson, who was a rookie last year with the Arizona Cardinals. He was fantastic. Um, throughout the course of the season last year, occasionally, whenever he would get the opportunity to get the rock, he would thrive. He caught out of the backfield, which meant he was a great PPR uh, commodity. He ran hard, and he's young. He's got a lot of gas on the tank. He doesn't have tread on the tires. Whenever he played, he was a stud. The problem with Arizona was that they had Chris Johnson, former CJ2K, the 2,000-yard rusher from the Tennessee Titans, if you remember him. They had uh, Chris uh, Johnson ahead of him, and they also had Andre Ellington ahead of David Johnson in the depth chart. So inevitably, David Johnson really wouldn't get any time on the field until both of those guys either got injured or needed to take a breather. And inevitably, throughout the course of the season, Ellington and Chris Johnson both got hurt. So by the end of the season, David Johnson was the starting running back, and it was like, why didn't you do this from day one? It didn't matter because Arizona was a fantastic team all throughout the season. Um, but when they finally gave David Johnson the rock, he really proved that he was completely deserving of the job. But my point is, he was a rookie running back last year. You didn't know what you were getting. He was drafted very low in the draft. And anybody who picked him up off the waiver wire, that was a real steal. David Johnson, I love him. I love him, I love him, I love him. Now that I've seen him, now that I know what he's he can do, now that I know that he's a PPR monster and he's a running back monster and he's playing on a great team like the Arizona Cardinals, which could do nothing but score off, you know, they were scoring like it was going out of style last year. Carson Palmer throwing the ball everywhere. They've got an exciting offense. I really like David Johnson. I would probably put David Johnson as my number two overall ahead of Lavian Bell, Todd Gurley, and Ezekiel Elliott. Those are just my thoughts on that. Um, I'm, I'm putting David Johnson very, very high on my list. I think you should as well. Next on the list is Devontae Freeman. So Devontae Freeman was running for the Atlanta Falcons last year. Atlanta essentially had him as number two on the depth chart behind Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman was drafted as the rookie running back. He was supposed to be the, essentially the Ezekiel Elliott. And the, for the first two weeks of the season, they gave the Brock to Tevin Coleman and said, all right, man, go do it. And Devontae Freeman was backing him up. The two of them were doing a little running back by committee. By week three, Tevin Coleman sustained an injury. Nothing crazy or serious, but enough for them to say, all right, we're going to rest Tevin Coleman. We're going to give Devontae Freeman the rock. From then on, it wasn't even a dispute anymore. Devontae Freeman proceeded to run all over the place. He had a three-touchdown game. Um, he was a force throughout the entire season. From then on, 
I mean, he was a solid pickup. I think he won one of my leagues because he was not drafted last year. He went undrafted. He was sitting on the waiver wire because, the you know, last year wasn't his rookie year. He had a rookie year where he was, you know, rather disappointing, didn't play very well, um, you know, was just kind of a forgettable running back on the Atlanta Falcons. And then, you know, last year he had his coming out party. He impressed everybody, showed everybody that he was deserving of the job, and he was a monster. And there's definitely some uh, pundits out there who are ranking very, very high on Devontae Freeman. Um, I'm hearing some reports out of Falcons training camp that they want to limit his workload. They don't want to kind of, you know, saturate him with as much, uh, you know, as many carries as he had last year. I think they want to focus more on trying to split that workload between he and Tevin Coleman. I, I Listen, they can say whatever they want. Once they realize that he's a friggin' machine and he's going to be getting much more production on the ground than anybody else in their backfield, I still think Devontae Freeman is going to command a lot of touches on the field. Um I'm higher on him than uh, than than probably Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if I'm going to put Devontae Freeman above, above Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell, but um, Devontae Freeman, you know, you really got to put him high on your list. He's going to be a stud. Uh, moving down the list, Doug Martin. Now, okay, Doug Martin. So at the muscle hamster, as they called him, he had a phenomenal rookie year, and then he proceeded to have about two or three seasons where he was completely forgettable. Um, He went undrafted last year and then inevitably showed everybody else last year that he was not done. He was still a very viable commodity. And, you know, with a new coaching staff in Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers were really thankful to have Doug Martin in the backfield running all over the place. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I I kind of want to give him, you know, my vote of confidence because he played well last year and because... Tampa Bay had such just a rotating door of management and coaches. You know, when uh, Greg Schiano was there and, you know, whoever was they, – they fired the coach and the GM, I think, a couple of times in the last couple of years. You know, they fired Lovey Smith. But now Dirk Cutter's been there a couple of years. Um, Jameis Winston's installed the, as the quarterback. You know, Mike Evans is producing very well. They've still got Vincent Jackson for another season. I kind of feel like Doug Martin, this is a time to feel positive about him. Excuse me. Time to feel positive about Doug Martin. I think you can feel good about production from him. Um, I would, I would, again, I would probably rank Doug Martin ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. That's, that's kind of how I feel about him. Um, Next on the list is Lamar Miller. Um, So this, this brings up an interesting topic because Lamar Miller played great very well in Miami for the last couple of years. However, Miami could never figure out that they just needed to give him the ball more. I felt like they were, you know, they were idiots. Sometimes they just, you know, Miami is a franchise. I'm skeptical of the coaching. I'm skeptical of the management. I'm skeptical. They're right up there with Cleveland. Sometimes I don't really know what the Miami Dolphins are doing. And one of the things that I didn't know what they were doing was why didn't they give the ball to Lamar Miller more? Why was he not getting more touches in their offense? I'll never know. Because whenever he got the ball, he was fantastic. So now he's got new scenery with the Houston Texans. Which brings me to one of my points is that whenever a player changes teams, you cannot guarantee that the production that player had with the last team is going to be replicated with the new team. It's just not a guarantee whatsoever. You got new... This is not basketball. In basketball, 
listen, you can bring a guy to a new team. He might not fit in perfectly, but he's going to figure out a way to contribute immediately somehow. There's going to be some chemistry issues they have to work out, but, you know, he can figure out a way to pass the ball, get an assist, hit a bucket. You know, there's stuff to do. Football, there's schemes, there's playbooks, there's looking at coverages, and there's also coaching decisions on what plays you want to run, what offense you want to run. You know, if you're with a coach who doesn't like to run the ball, who likes to pass the ball a lot, well then, yeah, the running back's not going to get a lot of looks. But if you're with a coach who wants to run the ball more, you're going to get a lot of looks and you're going to benefit greatly from it. And I mentioned this with Lamar Miller. This is actually a situation where I think it's benefiting him in his favor. Houston is, um, you know, Bill Bill O'Brien's a coach. He's definitely a guy who likes to pound the rock. He's definitely a guy who likes to work his uh, running backs as much as possible and likes to do the ground and pound game. This is great for Lamar Miller. He's going to get touches. He's going to get plenty of um, opportunities to really get. I mean, I was saying earlier, a lot of teams are going to running back by committee. Not the case with the Houston Texans. I think they are definitely looking for a three-down workhorse back, and this is very, very beneficial for Lamar Miller. I would go ahead and say, you know, I think Lamar Miller is probably higher on my list than Doug Martin. Um, maybe, I don't know if I'm going to put him higher than Devontae Freeman, but I'd put him higher than Doug Martin, and Lamar Miller is definitely somebody you got to keep on your radar. I think he's looking for a breakout year, whereas I would normally say most of the time when a player goes to a new team, you might see a bit of a, if if not a plateau, a bit of a regression. Lamar Miller, I really, the very few times you're going to see an uptick in production, I think you're going to see an uptick in production with Lamar Miller. You got to keep him on your radar. Definitely worth looking for. Um, next on the list is Mark Ingram. Now, I'm, I've been skeptical of Mark Ingram since he entered the league. He's with the New Orleans Saints for multiple seasons. The Saints have always been a pass-happy team. They're not a team which has leaned heavily on the running back. You know, they use their running back a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, but they're such an offensive powerhouse that at end they have Drew Brees, which just means that, you know, even if they're going to use their running back, he's probably going to be a guy who's catching receptions out of the backfield. You know, that's a big reason why you saw Darren Sproles on the Saints. You saw Reggie Bush on the Saints. These kind of herky-jerky, you know, not huge running backs who can just run right down the middle and just force their way through everybody like a Brandon Jacobs. Um, Mark Mark Ingram is probably the closest thing they have to a hard-hitting, you know, pounding big running back who's just going to go right down the middle. He had a couple of really forgettable seasons, which in my mind kind of, you know, I checked him off in my in my mind. But the last couple of years, Mark Ingram has really been producing, producing better than normal. Um, I uh, I I think he's he's looking every year. They kind of call. They say he's going to have a breakout year. I don't know if that's going to be this year or not. I'm still, listen, until Drew Brees disappears as the quarterback of the Saints, I'm not going to be the guy picking Mark Ingram. I'm probably going to move him down further on that list. I don't think Mark Ingram should be that high, but if you want to take him that high, be my guest. Next is Thomas Rawls. Now, Thomas Rawls was the undrafted rookie running back who was behind Marshawn Lynch on the Seattle Seahawks. As Marshawn Lynch uh, proceeded to disappear last year, and now we know he inevitably retired, Thomas Rawls took over, and Thomas Rawls essentially proved to everybody once again that the draft doesn't mean anything, because this guy was undrafted, and already he's he looks like a bona fide top 10 fantasy football running back right out of the gate. Um 
I picked him up off the waiver wire last year. He was a find for me. He won a couple of games for me. Um, he definitely finished the season on IR with an injury, but I, I feel like he's going to come back. I, I, Seattle is a team that absolutely needs to run the ball as, as trigger-happy as they got towards the second half of last season. Um, this is definitely a team that loves running the ball, is going to want to run the ball um, with Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, I mean, Thomas Rawls is going he, to eat that up. As long as he's healthy, I think he's a surefire pick. I would, probably, I would probably go ahead and put Thomas Rawls ahead of Doug Martin. I, I mean, I might even put him ahead of Lamar Miller or Devontae Freeman. That's how high I am on, on Thomas Rawls. I think he's that good a pickup, and, uh, and I feel that confident about him. Uh, further down on the list is Eddie Lacy. Now, Eddie Lacy for the last couple of years was clearly – highly touted as this top four or top three running back for the Green Bay Packers, but is continually sort of all of his seasons, be it his rookie year, his first year, his, or his, thir- or his, his second or third year, he always started off slow. The first three, four weeks of the season, he'd be pretty forgettable, and you have a lot of Eddie Lacy owners really, really wondering whether they should have drafted him. And then he would come on strong. He'd have a couple of solid games, and all of a sudden everybody was like, well, maybe we were wrong. Maybe he is actually a really good pickup. Um, uh, last season, I think, really dispelled a lot of those rumors because last year – you know, he was just teasing fantasy owners. He'd have a great week, and then he'd get benched the next week for not showing up to practice. He'd have a great week, and then all of a sudden he'd get benched for having uh, conditioning issues. Eddie Lacy, you know, his conditioning and his pot belly have been in, have been in the news way more than anything needs to be in the news. Those are, that's so. Eddie Lacy has always kind of been a a point of discussion. Um, I had him on one of my fantasy teams last year. I was not particularly pleased with him, especially by the end of the season. He was just a – it was a running back by committee situation with James Starks. And um, I was – I'm not high on Eddie Lacy. I don't think he should be that high on the list. I would probably put him lower. I mean, I might – I'm, I'm going to go out there and say that I would probably pick Mark Ingram before I'd pick Eddie Lacy. And I think the other thing which really kind of makes Eddie Lacy's ranking that high is the offense. He's playing with the Green Bay Packers. You know, it's one thing to be an amazing running back on a terrible offense. It's another thing to be a mediocre running back on a, on a fantastic offense. Um, if they weren't doing running back by committee in Green Bay, and if Green Bay relied on the running game more – I would probably be higher on Eddie Lacy, but, you know, that's the situation. You know, Green Bay is a pass-happy Aaron Rodgers offense. I'm sure they would love to run the ball more, but it just doesn't ever seem to work out that way. And as long as Eddie Lacy's got conditioning issues and he's going to be splitting carries with James Starks, I feel I don't feel positive about him. Next on the list is Jamal Charles. Now, Jamal Charles is a fantastic running back. Amazing, amazing. He gets, He's a PPR guy. He gets catches out of the backfield. He can run all over the place. He, you know, he can pop off a run like anybody's business. The problem is he tore his ACL last year, and this is the second ACL tear that he's recovering from. You know, as amazing as any running back is, sooner or later, there's only so many injuries they can come back from. I was amazed when Jamal Charles came back from his initial HCL tear and was able to produce at the level he was, he's been able to produce. He was able to get back up to top five fantasy football running back probably the next season, and uh, I was amazed at that. He did some Adrian Peterson stuff, but another ACL tear... 
I just I'm I'm really skeptical. And you you also need to consider the fact that when Jamal Charles went down, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, a proceeded to go to Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware. Two more thing two more things to mention is that number one, Kansas City started winning. As soon as Jamal Charles went down, it was a couple weeks later that they actually went on this big, long winning streak that got them into the playoffs. B, Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware didn't really miss a beat with the running game at all. They didn't really miss Jamal Charles one bit when those two guys were handling the rock. And C, third thing that I didn't even think I was going to mention, Kansas City committed good money to Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware in the offseason. They signed them both to contracts, which means... They're planning for the future, and they're also planning for Jamal Charles to not be what he used to be. After a second ACL tear, they've got to definitely be hedging their bets and saying, you know what, we better have something ready in case he can't be the Jamal Charles he was in years past. Um, So, you know, I would probably put a little bit more stock in Sharkandrick West and Spencer Ware splitting more of the carries with Jamal Charles, and I'm skeptical about him coming back from injury. So... I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I'd put him as number twelve on the list. I'd probably put him a little bit further down on the list. Next up, you got Shady McCoy, Lashawn McCoy going to Buffalo. Um, as predicted, I think his production went down when he went to Buffalo, and that's simply because the offense they run in Buffalo versus the offense that uh, the Eagles had, even with Andy Reid's offense and with Chip Kelly's offense, Lashawn McCoy really had an opportunity to thrive. Um, He's a fantastic running back. Don't get me wrong. I love LaShawn McCoy. I'm a big Eagles fan. He's always forever going to live in my heart as an Eagles great. Uh, but the Bills, I don't like that offense. You know, it, the only thing that got exciting about the Bills offense last year was Tyrod Taylor and occasionally Sammy Watkins towards the end of the season. But LaShawn McCoy, you know, he had injury issues. He didn't produce at the level I was hoping he would produce at. And then, you know, Carlos Williams came in as a rookie and started stealing carries from him. Uh, you know, what? when LaShawn McCoy was playing, he was good. But there wasn't enough consistency for me to want to take him. And I just, I don't like that offense. I don't like that offense. I would stay away from LaShawn McCoy. He's not high on my list, even though I have deep love for the man. But from a fantasy football perspective, um, Jamal Charles and LaShawn McCoy, I feel like you're buying, you know, past performance as opposed to future performance. Jonathan Stewart, number 14 on the list, he needs to be higher. Jonathan Stewart needs to be higher than Shady McCoy and Jamal Charles because finally, after years, he was given, you know, the the official workhorse back of the Carolina Panthers. You know, Marty Herney's gone as the GM. Dave Gettleman's in here. He's finally been able to, you know, figure out and get out of these awful contracts that Carolina had signed up for. Two of the most awful contracts they had were Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. They committed way too much money to these guys. Not that they're bad, but they weren't good enough to deserve that money. And you committed way too much money to two running backs. And, ni- and neither one of them could stay healthy. I mean, it was good when at least one of them was healthy. But inevitably, one of these guys, you know, it was like, which one are you going to pick? You know, finally, D'Angelo Williams' contract was up. They moved on from him. They gave J- uh, Jonathan Stewart the lion's share of the carries, and it paid off. The team went to the Super Bowl. Jonathan Stewart was a fantastic running back. He was very reliable. Um... Not so much from a PPR standpoint. This is something to note. Jonathan Stewart fits into that non-PPR running back standpoint, okay? You know, from standard scoring or PPR scoring, he should be fine. But Danny Woodhead might be a better PPR guy, 
and a better pickup than Jonathan Stewart if you're playing in a PPR league. But listen, don't let this discount what Jonathan Stewart can do and the ability that he has. I think he's a fantastic running back. I love him. Um, I would definitely, I'm definitely high on him, and I think you should be too. He's a guy that I feel confident putting out there every single week without question. Um, now we're getting into some dicey picks here. Carlos Hyde. I, you know, I know he was injured last season. I know he had that week one, he had this brilliant performance. And then after that, everybody was so high on Carlos Hyde. But what we didn't know was that he was battling injuries all season and he was never a hundred percent. I'm still skeptical. You know, we'll after, listen, we'll see what Chip Kelly does, you know, cause he certainly likes to run his running backs. Um, I'm not, st- I'm, I'm staying away from Carlos Hyde. I just don't have enough to, to feel confident in picking him super high. Um, Matt Forte with the New York Jets. This is where, when you've got a player going to a new team, you don't know what to make of it. There's no reason to think that the Jets are going to use Matt Forte the same way the Bears did. I think Matt Forte is an extremely talented running back. I think he's great in PPR because of the, uh, you know, the, the catches he gets out of the backfield, but are the Jets going to give him the same catches out of the backfield that the Chicago Bears gave him? Are the Jets going to split carries more with Matt Forte uh, in uh, in New York as opposed to Chicago. I, I really think Chicago, you know, Matt Forte split carries a bit with Jeremy Langford, at least towards the end after, you know, when it was clear that they wanted to move on and give Langford more of the load. Um, but, you know, at least when Matt Forte was healthy, there was a sense that he was the guy with Chicago. And, you know, he really wouldn't be sharing the backfield too much. I don't know what the situation's going to be in, in New York with the Jets. And I... Uh, I'm, pr- I'm, I'm not going to be the guy picking him. Somebody else is going to take him. Probably not me. That's just my two cents. I say, stay away from him. Now we're getting further and further along. CJ Anderson. Again, I say, stay away from him. He really came on in the latter half of the season for the Denver Broncos. Um, Ronnie Hillman's consistency was poor all season, but so was CJ Anderson's. And even though the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl, there's a lot of issues with their offense. I mean, they barely have a quarterback right now. And they were kind of going back and forth between Peyton Manning, who didn't have an arm, and Brock Osweiler, who was thoroughly unproven. So their defense, I think, was the star of their team. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But C.J. Anderson, man, he was very disappointing from a fantasy perspective. I'm not going anywhere near him, and I recommend you don't either. Deion Lewis is next on the list. Now, Deion Lewis was a revelation. Nobody expected him. Nobody drafted him. He was a PPR superstar. I mean, if we're talking PPR formats, I'd probably put him all the way up at number three or something to that extent. Um, I love uh, Deion Lewis. My issue is the ACL tear. He destroyed his knee last year. There's no reason to think he's going to be ready for week one. And even if he is ready for week one, there's no reason to think that he's 100%. And Bill Belichick's a smart guy. If Deion Lewis is not 100%, he's going to put somebody else out there. This is something to note when we're talking about running backs in fantasy. There's a couple of coaches. You've got to be weary when it comes to who they're going to use as the running back. Bill Belichick and the Patriots is one of those teams. You never know who they're going to have as the running back. All of a sudden, one week, you know, he could decide to just trot out Brandon Bolden and give him 30 carries. He could decide to trot out James White or Jonas Gray. or I mean, I could go on and on. There's really no rhyme or reason as to who this guy is going to trot out there. So Deion Lewis that high on the list? I don't know, man. I mean, listen, if he's still on the board and it's, you know, round three or four or five, I would say scoop him up and stash him. But 
I mean, I, I'm not that high on Dion Lewis. I, I would be skeptical. I just, I don't, I got to see him. I got to see his health. I got to see if he's going to be ready for week one, and there's no guarantee he's going to be ready for week one. Um, Jeremy Hill, eh, Jeremy Hill really faded last year, and Giovanni Bernard really took over the job from him in Cincinnati. That's going to be another dicey situation because both of them are going to be sharing the backfield, and so I don't know what to make of that. So eh, I'm, I'm drafting Giovanni Bernard before I'm drafting Jeremy Hill because Giovanni Bernard essentially kind of lost his job to Jeremy Hill, but persevered, found a way to still stay on the field, earned the coach's trust, and by the end of the season, I think they trusted Giovanni Bernard a lot more than they trusted Jeremy Hill. That's something to think of when you're thinking about who to draft, which one of those Bengals quarterbacks, uh, Bengals uh, running backs, or none at all. Um, here, let me go down. Now, I could go through this entire list. There's about 50 names here. I don't know if I need to go that crazy. Let me see if I can find a few um, a few other players. Now that we're, because, you know, number 20 on the list is Jay Ajaye. Um, a little unproven in Miami. Uh, he didn't, you know, he didn't get a lot of time on the field last year because Miami is not that great when it comes to running backs, not that great when it comes to running backs from a coaching perspective. And Lamar Miller was really the one who, uh, you know, who, who handled most of the carries for Miami. I'm not, you know, they're saying Jay Ajayi, they're really excited for a big uptick. I'm just, I'm not sold on Miami Dolphins running backs. I, I'm not going to be the guy drafting him. Um, so here, let's look at a couple, uh, right after um, the number 20 on the running backs list. Let me see if I can find some highlights here that stick out. Um, Latavius Murray on the Raiders, I don't like him. Ryan Matthews on the Eagles, he's probably the only guy I do. Well, the, the Eagles, they got a lot of running backs in the backfield. I don't know who's going to get the bulk of the carries. However, Ryan Matthews, if he's still on the board late enough in your draft, I think it's smart to scoop him up because he could prove to be pretty uh, pretty productive. Jeremy Lankford for the Bears, he could be their number one guy on the Bears. He's pretty far down on their list, but you know what? If you've got a number one running back for a team, go scoop him up. DeMarco Murray on the Titans, I don't like it. I don't like it. The Titans have drafted multiple people. Uh, they drafted Derrick Henry. Um, you know, they've had running back issues for the last couple of years. I'm not touching DeMarco Murray with a 10-foot pole. Matt Jones for the Washington Redskins. Eh, I'm so, I was so underwhelmed with his performance last year, and I don't have any faith in what the Redskins are doing whatsoever. I'm going to stay away from him. Justin Forsett with the Baltimore Ravens. He kind of stung me last year. He had a, he has been a journeyman for years, and then two years ago, he finally had one decent season, and then they gave him the rock last year, and he got injured, and then Baltimore had a terrible year, and they were just rotating through running backs. Buck Allen was out there. It was it was a mess. Um, I Listen, if Justin Forsett is still on the board, that's when you go scoop him up. TJ Yeldon, I liked TJ Elgin in Jacksonville, especially because I see Jacksonville's production and their offense getting better. Um, but they also put another running back out there. They just brought Chris Ivory in. So you're going to be seeing more touches split amongst these different running backs. So I'm, you know, I'm trending downward on TJ Yeldon. Let me see a few other guys worth mentioning. Let me just go further down. Melvin Gordon on the Chargers. No. Duke Johnson on the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I don't like anybody. I don't like any of Cleveland Browns' skill players. It's just running backs, wide receivers. The only one I like on Cleveland is Gary Barnage, the tight end. Um, Frank Gore with the Indianapolis Colts. I think he might be over the hill. You might need to be weary if you touch him. Danny Woodhead. I'm telling you, if you're in a PPR format, 
go draft Danny Woodhead high. He's going to pay off for you. It's a worthwhile pick. You, it's not, you're not going to regret it. Trust me on this one. Um, Rashad Jennings with the New York Giants. You know, I gave him last year to kind of prove himself. He didn't really pan out. I'd, I'd say you can pass on him. Giovanni Bernard, I already said I like him. LeGarrett Blunt, you know, he's a hit or miss. Because, again, you're talking about a running back for the New England Patriots. You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, who other big guys are sticking out here? Eh, there's, I mean, you know, l- let me see. Who's my sleeper pick? Let me look. Who is my sleeper pick? I'm looking. This is a big, long, oh, there's a lot of guys in this list. Let me see. Sleeper pick. All right. Sam Sports Show sleeper pick. I'm going to go ahead and say sleeper pick running back, Sharkandrick West. I think I don't think that's a surprise because of how well he performed last year, but I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to go get Jamal Charles, and they're going to overlook Sharkandrick West. They should handcuff him at the very least – but I think Sharkandrick West is going to have another breakout season, um, probably start stealing more carries from Jamal Charles, and he might become a little bit more of the focus in that backfield than Jamal Charles. That's that's about as crazy a sleeper pick as I can think of. Um, but I'm throwing it out there, and those are my thoughts. Um, anyway, I think we're done with my fantasy football uh, riff for today. I think, uh, I think I'm going to make a thing out of this. I've talked an awful lot on running backs. Um, let me start going every week. I think I'll do one on the wide receivers. I'll do one on the quarterbacks. And then, you know, we'll uh, we'll throw in the tight ends and the defenses. And uh, maybe we'll do a little bit on the kickers as well. Um, anyway, but at this point right now, let's take a breather. Let's listen to a word from our sponsors, Daniel M. Rosenberg and & Associates and Voorhees Veterinary Center. <laughs> 